Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kenzie Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. I don't know about you, but this month has flown by for me, and I'm excited to get started with a new series in the month of May, but also a little sad to end the series with you guys. Many of you have reached out just to tell me how helpful it's been. So I'm really, really grateful for that. But even still, we're going to jump into a new series because believe it or not, even after 11 months of talking with you guys weekly about marriage, there's so much more we need to talk about. (laughs) So the good news is, though, for those of you who've enjoyed this sex series, I'm not done yet with the Healthy Sexuality online course. So you can have that to continue to look forward to. But in the meantime, if you're new to the show and you've just joined us during the series, it would mean so much to me if you take one second to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That just lets others know that you're finding this podcast and the series worth your time. All right, it's finally time to wrap up our sex series with another Q&A, and this question comes from Elle. She writes, I love the podcast, and though I'm a little behind, I would love to hear how to handle when the woman is the higher desire partner, and how to navigate that in marriage. Thank you for all the work you've put into the podcast. My husband and I have been listening since our honeymoon, where we binged the episodes on our road trip to Sonoma. Elle, thank you for your question. That is so fun. I love that you and your husband did that. You know, in our culture, we often talk about sexual desire in terms of the man being higher desire and the woman being lower desire. But as most things go, this is a stereotype and a sweeping generalization that can leave those who don't fit the stereotype feeling like there's something wrong with their dynamic, even though this is more common than our society talks about. Thus, the first thing I want you to know, if you don't already, is that as a higher desire woman, you're perfectly healthy and normal. I say this because sometimes females who experience a higher desire for sex can carry a negative or shameful view of their sexuality. So if you're carrying any of that, I want you to know your sex drive is fine and good. I also want your husband to know that this dynamic between you is perfectly normal, and it doesn't mean anything negative about either of you. Although cultural masculinity would say that there's something wrong if a husband's desire is lower than his wife's, Again, this dynamic between couples is fairly normative. So to address differing desire levels, let me briefly introduce you to what's called the dual control model of sexuality, or sexual arousal. Believe it or not, sex research in what's known about the body, the brain, and the sexual response cycle is fairly new still. And this dual control model wasn't discovered or theorized until the late 1990s. But it's essentially the idea that our central nervous systems dictate both our sexual excitation system and our sexual inhibition system. So all throughout our lives, our central nervous systems have taken in information from our environments, often on a subconscious level, from the sexual stimuli we've been exposed to, the sexual experiences we've had, and the sexual messaging we've received, And all of these things, depending on how our brains and limbic systems categorize this information, determine both our accelerators of sexual arousal and our breaks of sexual inhibition. So in making sense of your differing desire levels, 
That might help provide some understanding of how you both experience sexual desire. And the way I've just explained it is very reductionistic, but I've linked an article in the show notes if you'd like to do further reading. But in terms of navigating that relationally in your marriage, honestly, I would need a lot more information to answer that question in any sort of intelligent way. But what I want to do is paint some broad strokes for you and let you, L pick and choose what pieces apply to you specifically. And hopefully, whatever doesn't apply to you will apply to others listening in their unique situations. The first thing I'm curious about, with you being a higher desire wife and your husband being a lower desire partner, is what are you all making that mean? I ask this because sometimes when we feel uncertain or unfamiliar with something going on with us, we can quickly jump to negative conclusions which almost always makes our overcoming the situation worse. So if either of you finds yourself judging yourselves or each other or jumping to negative conclusions or making your normal differences mean something it doesn't mean, be sure to go ahead and remove that layer of judgment, shifting your thinking from there's something wrong here to we simply don't know what we don't know and we're actually doing our best to figure it out. And I wanted to address that piece, even though I don't hear any hint of that in your email, but just so other listeners are aware of that as well, because what you make your difference in desire mean often determines how you then handle it with each other. And I want to make sure we can get to problem solving without having that extra layer of judgment or criticism, which only ever sabotages the changes we're trying to make and often, like I said before, can make matters worse. Now, you mentioned binge listening on your way to your honeymoon, so that tells me you've been married maybe a couple of months at least. And so I actually have a few follow-up questions for you that I'll just ask on the air as if I were asking a couple in my office. First, as you describe yourself as higher desire, what are you noticing? Do you ask for sex more, initiate sex more often, feel aroused more than you think your spouse does? Likewise, when you describe your husband as lower desire, what is that like from your perspective? Do you experience his nose as rejection? Does he shut down when you approach him? What I'm getting at here again is it's not uncommon for couples to look at the exact same facts and interpret them entirely differently. In particular, it's really important to realize that lower sexual desire does not necessarily equal low desire. I think our culture gets this really confused and just slaps on a label of low desire to the lower desire partner. Does that make sense? And vice versa, higher sexual desire does not equal sex maniac, right? It can be easy to begin to think in duality, but I don't want you or anyone else listening to mischaracterize their spouse. Like I said last week, marital dynamics are such that one person is always going to be slightly higher and one slightly lower. And oftentimes, once we understand this, our differences become more acceptable to us and to each other, rather than remaining a problem to solve, as if our spouse should be exactly like us, right? But in order to better understand what's happening in the dynamic between you, there are still some really important questions that I would ask you if you were in my office. What does each of you do for a living? (laughs) I'd wanna know how both of you spend your days, and how much energy you have available for each other whenever you're trying to engage in sex. Do your differences in sexual desire seem to correlate with any discrepancy in emotional connection? 
Do you feel on different pages in other areas of life or only in this area? What was your upbringing like in terms of what you discovered, learned, and now believe about sex? Referring back to the dual control model of sexuality that I mentioned earlier, our upbringings may significantly impact our sexual inhibitors and contribute to our level of desire. And more often than not, because a lot of the work I do is with clients who come from this Christian subculture, I would say that's probably the number one thing that contributes to sexual dysfunction in terms of what I see. Now, regardless of the factors that may be contributing, here is how I would approach the relationship as a higher desire partner, which is probably what you were hoping for the whole time, but I wanted to be as thorough as possible. So as a higher desire partner, my tendency would most likely be to move in, to move toward, to pursue my partner and ask for sex. Right, because I'm experiencing sexual arousal more often and I desire to be close to my partner. But if I desire to increase the likelihood of my spouse and I developing a mutually satisfying sex life, I actually need to do the opposite of what I'm inclined to do. So I think it's fine to ask questions and seek to better understand your spouse and where they're coming from sexually, but do it from a place of I'm genuinely curious. I genuinely want to know you better, and I plan to use this information for the good of our marriage and moving toward oneness instead of for my own use to build up a case or frustration against you. And so as you better understand your spouse, don't be above making things as easy as possible for the lower desire partner. Not according to what you think is helpful, but according to what he or she tells you is actually helpful and conducive to a positive sexual encounter. Which means that it's important to learn to talk about these things in an understanding way with each other. On the other hand, if I were a lower desire partner, my tendency would be to withdraw, to not talk about sex, and perhaps to shut my partner down quickly. Because if I have lower desire, what I'm seeking is to reduce the sexual pressure I feel, right? But paradoxically, The more I withdraw, the more my partner will pursue, and the greater the perceived pressure becomes. So, if I desire to increase the likelihood of a healthy relationship and sex life, I too, as the lower desire partner, need to do the opposite of what I'm most inclined to do. Now, that's not to say have sex begrudgingly when you don't want to or pretend you're excited when you're not but instead initiate sexual conversations so that you are engaging your spouse in a responsive and not a reactive way and even communicate sexual desire or receptivity on your own terms when you're feeling it rather than waiting for your higher desire spouse to initiate and hoping you can conjure up the energy when they're ready to make love. Okay, so again, I've just given you a few things to think about and this is in no way exhaustive but I hope it gives you enough to process and try to apply some different things at home. Now, I want to address the next two questions together because my answer will actually be the same. And this first question comes from a colleague of mine. Jay asks, I've had an unusual amount of couples bring up issues related to differences in sexual desire between partners. I know you've sought some therapeutic training on sex and wondered if you have any resources that you found helpful for working through this kind of issue. Likewise, M says, 
I'm gaining a lot of hope from your Sexpectation series. I've listened to them all, and I'm re-listening with my spouse as we find time. After listening to the first episode again, I'm wondering if you have any more resources on how to learn about my sexuality as a woman. We've been married six years, and my husband is so patient with me, but I don't know how to tell him what I like because I'm unsure. I've always been afraid to search for resources online because of running into porn or wrong advice. Any resources you can provide would be great. Thanks so much for doing the series. Looking forward to learning more about the class. Okay, so to both of you, thank you so much for reaching out. I want you to have an easy way to access these resources. So I've created a free list of all the books I've recommended to couples over the years. And may I remind you, I am not a sex therapist, just someone who does a lot of reading and really cares about helping couples have a healthy relationship to their own sexuality so that they can experience amazing sex lives and marriage. And here's the deal. This is new as of this week. Because I'm so often referring people to books and other resources, I've created an Amazon affiliate account. So if you end up purchasing a book from this list, just know that they might pay me like two cents for your purchase, okay? I just wanted to be sure that you knew that, but also to know that you can trust that every single one of these resources has been recommended by me to individuals and couples for years, or at least as long as these resources have been around. So I hope that's helpful to you guys, and I'll be sure to keep you updated about this online course coming in May. I'm really excited to bring this to you. I think it will help you have the conversations that you're needing to have and provide you with the education pieces in a safe way so that you can kind of do your own self-study with it and work through the exercises together in the privacy of your own home. All right, so your action step for today is to head over to bravemarriage.com sex, put your name and email there, and you'll receive an email from me with all of those resources listed. And my prayer for you guys at the end of this series is that your sex life would be transformed in tangible ways and that as it is, you'd give God and the work of His Spirit in your lives all the glory for it. I'll be back with you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile as it is